Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. This morning's scripture reading is from Matthew 6, 1 through 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Andrew. Well, this text is probably familiar. Uh, you're right away like, okay, don't be a hypocrite. And commonly, you know, when we hear the word hypocrite, we think of someone who says one thing and does something else, right? Someone who says, don't smoke, but yet you see him smoking like a chimney uh, when other people aren't looking or maybe when they are looking. Or maybe when you see someone say they're a Christian, and yet their life doesn't testify to that reality, maybe in any way. And certainly the scriptures do uh, teach us to not be a hypocrite in that way, not to say one thing and do another. Jesus has some things to say later in Matthew to the Pharisees and the scribes to not be a hypocrite. In fact, he, he mentions five woes in chapter 23, I think it is. But here... As we come to this text, though that may be in view, Jesus is not primarily speaking to those who are saying one thing and doing another. Jesus is speaking to those who are intentionally doing something that looks right, but yet their motives are selfish and self-centered. The word hypocrite here has uh, the meaning, one of the meanings of it is actor uh, in the original language. So hypocrite, a person who professes beliefs and opinions that he or she does not hold in order to conceal his or her real feelings or motives. Jesus is calling out those who are faking it so that others will think well of them. Remember, as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is trying to get at our hearts. It's not so much about the actions that we take, because even as we look at some of the things today, there could be the temptation. Okay, what is it that I need to do? But Jesus wants us to evaluate our hearts. What are, what are your motives in doing the things that you do? What are your motives in doing the right things, the Christian things, the righteous things that you do? 
Now, as we study God's word this morning, there's going to be this sense at some point that's just going to feel weighty because Jesus has a warning here and we need to feel it and you're going to kind of feel like we're going down. But ultimately, Jesus wants to end by us looking at him because he's the one that's teaching us. He's the one we must look to, but we want to heed the warning and to do that, we need God's help. So let's pray. Father, we need your help this morning. We need your help because I know, I know where I am. I know I don't want to look at myself in the mirror and see what's really there sometimes. I know that I can be tempted to do things for the praise of others because it just seems so helpful in the short term. But God, I ask that you help us. Help us to see the truth of this. Help us to see ourselves, how we really are, and come before you and find forgiveness today and to see Christ and see a better way, a way in which we can find joy and hope and peace in reflecting your character and your glory as we live out the transformed lives that you have done in us. And we ask, God, that you do this in us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, this passage has both warning and instruction. Jesus warns kind of in three different categories, and he gives instruction. Uh, Even looking at this test, even though Andrew just read verses 1 to 6, really verses 1 to 18 are kind of one big unit. Uh, Because in the first century, it was common to kind of be religious and do things where you gave to the poor, Uh, You prayed and you fasted. So the fasting part comes in verses 16 to 18. We're not going to spend a lot of time there today uh, because we're going to spend three or four weeks on this big chunk. But those those are some of the categories. But the warning that Jesus has is this. Beware of the subtle sin of self-promotion. Beware of the subtle sin of self-promotion. Look at verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying, beware of promoting yourself. The Pharisees did these things, these these things that we're looking at, to promote themselves, to draw attention to themselves. Let's, let's see what Jesus is talking about. Look at verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Now, as far as we can tell from history, they didn't actually like sound trumpets, but Jesus is kind of drawing out what's going on in their hearts. Think about this like pomp and circumstance. When a king would arrive somewhere, they would blow the trumpets to announce their arrival, and they would kind of announce themselves when they were going to go give. Hey, I have some generous things to give to those of you peasants who don't have anything. Please come to me so that I may be a blessing to you. I mean, as standoffish as that feels, I mean, it's, it's still standoffish in our day too, right? Even in the secular culture, people don't like it when, when, you, when individuals are self-righteous and arrogant, those that are just kind of flaunting themselves. So that, that's kind of the, the picture. Don't, don't, be, don't be giving in that manner to draw attention to yourself. And then he, he jumps down to praying. Uh, Verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. 
Now, in the first century, there was, uh, you know, oftentimes a, a trumpet was blown for the time to pray. And those who were spiritual, those who were seeking God, would often stop where they were at and they would pray. Now, the hypocrites knew that the trumpet would, would happen, and so they kind of kind of set their watch of like, hey, when this is going to come, so they make sure they were in places of prominence. So when that happened, when they went to pray, their heart was to pray where everybody could see. I mean, you think about the street corner. You go to a street corner where two streets come, busy intersection where everybody's at. Hey, you want to be in that spot when the trumpet goes off. So when you get down and pray, everyone sees how spiritual you are. Or in the temple, everybody, the people of God, they went to the temple to, uh, to worship. And so they made sure that they were finding themselves in that place when that went off so that everyone could see them praying. Now, they may have started out genuinely seeking God. And at some point, someone said, hey, man, you just prayed so passionately. Man, I want to be like you. And then something flipped in their heart. They started to go, I I like that. I, I, I like that encouragement. I, I think I want some more of that. What can I do in my life so I can get some more of that? And then fasting, if we jump down to verse 16, 17, and 18, we'll talk about more in, in a few weeks. You know, essentially, uh, when they didn't eat, they just kind of walked around like drama queens. Oh, I'm so hungry, but, you know, I'm doing this because I'm just so spiritual and I want to honor God. Or, oh, hey, hey, can we go get, get some lunch? No, I can't. I'm fasting because that's what godly people do. Hypocrites love to be seen. They love to be seen. One commentator said, God takes no pleasure in the individual who does good in order to be seen doing it. I want to say that again. God takes no pleasure in the individual who does good in order to be seen by doing it. The hypocrite gives not, not for the sake of meeting the needs of the poor, but to be seen meeting the needs of the poor. The hypocrite, when he goes to pray, isn't praying because he wants deeper fellowship with God. No, he's praying so that other people can see him. But they were going to fast not to experience a deeper level of devotion to God, but no, so that others will see them. And in so doing, they trade the gifts from God for the praise of men and women. And people have always had the ability to call attention to themselves. In the first century, streets were kind of bricked, and sometimes they would buy and pay for some of those so that their name could be on it. We, we do that some places, right? Park was made in my hometown. People gave money to it. Oh, you can have your name on a brick so that everybody could see what you give. And, you know, if you gave more, you got the bigger brick so that everybody could see. Even now, I mean, as a pastor regularly face the temptation to seek the praise of men. All someone has to do, you go to a pastor's conference, hey, how's your church doing? Is it growing? How big is it? The numbers tend to get fuzzy when you get that question asked sometimes. But you all have experienced different things. And we see, we seek the praise from one of three places. 
either the praise of others or, or the praise of ourselves or we seek the praise from our Heavenly Father. So I want to hit those really briefly. Praise of others. Beware of the praise of men. So the end of verse 2, that they must be praised by others. End of verse 5, that they may be seen by others. Our bent can be to craft something, craft the words that we say to call attention to ourselves. You can be tempted to, in a conversation, highlight that we served at a soup kitchen. We can be face the danger there's a danger because we have ways of practicing our righteousness before others like never before. It's always been a temptation. But it used to be you had to go places to get in front of other people. And now all you have to do is pull this out. Right? It's called social media and any number of other things, Right? We have ways to do things before men like never before. When we do things in private, it used to only remain in private. There was a day that you could have a birthday party for your kid, and no one would ever know unless they were at the party, right? But now everyone can know. Not that it's wrong to post a picture, but, you know, like, but where is our hearts? Where's our hearts as we're engaging with these things? Are we doing it for the praise of men? We need to ask ourselves that. When, when, when there's, there's a constant awareness, when we are constantly aware of what other people think, it can begin to drive us, and it's a downward spiral when we're driven by the praise of men. Why is it that teenagers and college students are experiencing greater anxiety than ever before? Why? Because the praise of men does not deliver. It's ripping them apart. Matt, Jesus warns the, in chapter 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. They cared about their outward behavior and not their inward righteousness. And we're susceptible in the Christian culture to do the same thing. We want others to think that we're doing well. Now, it's not wrong to get a compliment, but what do we do with that compliment? Do we just kind of treasure it? Like, oh, we want some more of those? Kind of like, I think it's Edmund in the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe with the Turkish Delight. We, we get some, and oh, I want some, I want some more of that. Rather than, look, oh, I got some. Maybe you know, give that to the Lord. no. Oh, I want some more. I need, how can I get some more of that? Friends, do not seek the recognition of others. The scripture's clear in Proverbs 27 2. Let another praise you and do not, and, and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. And now the call is more than just don't tell others. But we need to be wary of making a big deal about ourselves to ourselves. Beware of the praise that we give ourselves. Beware of the praise that you can give yourself. 
we can do a good deed and like step outside of ourselves and we admire it. Maybe you host a party. And it's great. I love it when folks host a party for small group or for their community and you get together, you have a good time. But we can do that. We can do that. And when it's done, we can find a seat. We can sit down and go, man, that was the greatest party. That was my idea. The thing that everybody loved, that was my idea. You know how many people came? And there's any number of things that we can do. Aren't you such a good Christian for loving on those people? Even when no one's around, we can beef ourselves up. You know, if I post something on social media, when I, when I first got on social media, back when it was cool for the young kids to be on Facebook, you post something and you're like, oh, there's not very many posts. I really want double digits. I'm at nine. I can like my own post. I get double digits. Double digit likes. Beware of the praise that we give ourselves because, because the praise of men is fleeting. Know that, that the fleeting value, know the fleeting value of the praise of men. The praise of men is short lived. In Matthew 6, Verse 2, 5, 16. Jesus says in all three instances, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Friends, the praise of men is like the latest technology. We all know this experience. You get the latest technology. It's so awesome. It's cool. I spent all this money for it, but look at all the things they can do. My wife's been cleaning out the, the basement storage room, and there's a bin of technology that was the greatest, coolest thing. And now it's just in a bin. But that's what the praise of men is. It's, it's, you're going to feel it initially, but it's going to fade really fast. Ask anyone who, who's in sales. They could have been the greatest, had the best month for the company ever in the month of March. And now it's April 3rd. The boss says, what have you done for me lately? And then we try to revive it, kind of like, you know, the old rock bands that come out with, with guys that are, are too old and wearing skinny jeans when they shouldn't be, right? And they're just trying to revive the good old days. And the reality is, is the stadiums aren't as big. It doesn't deliver as much money. And you laugh at them, but we do the same thing, right? We, we do the same thing with, with our old victories. Like, we go around, oh, yeah, the glory days, remember that? And we kind of try to squeeze out of these things a little bit more praise. Maybe the young kids will think it's awesome that we did something. But the praise of men is fleeting. It is short-lived. And when we seek the praise of men, we forfeit our reward from our Father who is in heaven. Back to verse 1. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Kent Hughes said, they were not giving but buying, and they got what they paid for. 
Hypocrites were giving so that they could get the praise of men. They got what they paid for. Daniel Doriani said, if a prayer is blind to God, God is blind to that prayer. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, if we, if we want publicity in the eyes of men, we have our reward. Friends, that's it. It's gone like that. So beware of the subtle sin of self-promotion. Now, Jesus directs us in each instance to a better way. And this is the better way. Live out your righteousness before an audience. Before an audience of one. Live out your life, live out your righteousness before an audience of one. Now, some of you right away are like, wait a minute. A few weeks ago, we were, in, we were in verses 13 to 16. Verse 14 says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. Then it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, I feel like I'm in a tennis match. Who, who, who? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? I don't know. Before other people or not before other people? Here's a reality, friends. Our behavior, our righteousness is to be lived out before others. Why? So that they will give glory to our fathers in heaven. But there's a tension that's there. We need to ask ourselves, what's our heart motivation? Because the goal of these verses for Jesus is not to create a new law. Not a new law of like, okay, this is how we give. Okay, i got to do the right thing of how I give. Or this is how you must pray. Though there's a good guide, and we're going to talk more about prayer next week. This is how you fast. No, the goal is to become less self-aware and more Christ-aware. To become less self-aware and more Christ-aware. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be aware of your strengths and weaknesses ever. But we look at self. We live in a culture that just breeds on self. Love yourself, care for yourself, have your me time. There's, there are all kinds of things out there. We're breathing the air. That's just, that's just going to be the default that we have to fight back against. But friends, when we become too self-conscious, it leads us to be self-righteous. We're so aware of ourselves that we're looking at ourselves continually. We're aware of us. And we can start to praise us for us or put ourselves in positions where we can get praise for us. And then we can become self-righteous. But when you give to the needy in verse 3, it says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And I know sometimes people will, will kind of use that as to talk about maybe a, a situation that's confusing. Oh, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. Like talking about maybe confusion or they don't know what they're doing. But really, what Jesus is talking about is emptying yourself of yourself. Emptying yourself of yourself to focus on Christ. Because it's not just you're emptying yourself because you're sinning, because Jesus emptied himself, right? He became poor. We sang about that. It wasn't because he was a sinner, but because he wanted to focus his attention on his heavenly Father. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, our task is simply to keep on following, looking only to our leader who goes on before, taking no notice of ourselves or of what we are doing. We must be unaware of our own righteousness and see it only insofar as we look unto Jesus. Then it will seem not extraordinary, but quite ordinary and natural. Thus, we hide the visible from ourselves to in obedience to the word of Jesus. The Christian is a light unto the world, not because of any quality of his own, but only because he follows Christ and looks solely to him. Genuine love is always self-forgetful in the true sense of the word. But if we are to have it, our old man must die with all its virtues and qualities and can only be done where the disciples forget self and cling solely to Christ. We are new creations in Christ, and and God has transformed us. So we do things differently. We do things rightly. We do things in righteousness. And that's a good thing. That testifies to God's work in you. But our righteousness, we we should kind of treat it like we do when we learn how to ride a bicycle. You think when a child's young, boy or girl, they're learning how to ride, and when they learn how to ride, they, they kind of get up, they, they're like, I can do it. I can do it, Mommy. I can do it, Daddy. Look, I'm riding the bike, and we're cheering them on so they can do it. All right, you, you don't see 45-year-old men doing the same thing, right? When I'm driving in my neighborhood, I'm not driving by John's house going, look, John, I can ride. I can stay up. I can balance. Look, I can do it with one hand. I can even wave at you. We'd be like, oh, that's just awkward. Friends, our righteousness is like the, uh, the adult. Like we, we just, it's become so much part of just what we do, we do it. And if any time we are aware that something is good, like because we used to run into trees when we were kids and we don't anymore, anytime we notice that, we're like, yeah, that's God's grace in our life. Anytime we happen to notice that we are doing what God has called us to do, that we have changed, we're kind to somebody, when we give sacrificially, when we do something in secret, we're just like, yeah, God, God, you did that. But otherwise, it's just part of life. And that's where our righteousness should be. I mean, Jesus even speaks of this with the example of of those who are on his right and his left in the kingdom. Jesus says this in in verse 35 of Matthew 25. He said, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visited you? The saints did all these things, but they didn't take records so that they could exalt themselves. It was just part of who God had transformed them to be. So even when they get to glory, they're like, when did that happen? I don't remember when that happened. But what does Jesus tell them? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. There are rewards. There are rewards coming. We'll talk about those rewards in a bit. But our action right now, as we look to those rewards, as we look to the rewards that he will give, 
that lasts oh so much more than the praise of men. We take action in secret. We take action in secret. Our work of love is to be hidden from the work of the world and visible to God. A.B. Bruce said this, show me, he said, show when tempted to hide. So show. When you're tempted to hide, show Christ in you. But when, but hide when you're tempted to show. Like when you're tempted to, to show it to others so that others will praise you. Both can give glory to God. That's the, that's the ultimate goal, to give glory to God. If you're tempted to show, then you hide. If you, if you don't think of yourself and you're displaying your righteousness before others, all both are going to give glory to God. Because we do our good works in public because others who see it give glory to our Father who is in heaven. But our acts of devotion are also to be in private. So God gets the glory instead of us. And Jesus addresses three categories. Giving, praying, fasting. So giving. Give with this heart manner to please God. Giving to the poor with right motives. Giving to those who are needy with right motives. Find ways to give in secret. Now, please, still sign up for meals. When someone needs a meal and you have to put your name on it, everybody sees your name, like we can't get around that. That's just helpful so that we don't deliver 12, 12 meals on one day, okay? So still sign up to do that. But if there are ways when people are in need for you to do it in secret, do it in secret. I have the privilege as a pastor to be the delivery boy of people's secret giving sometimes. I, it's so much fun to do. Someone comes to me, sticks a, a, an envelope in my hand and says, hey, give this to Sally Mae. Don't tell her it's from me. Sometimes I've heard it that way. And so I'm like, I get to see what Sally Mae is looking like. This isn't my gift. I'm just a delivery boy. But I give it. And, and I say, I can't tell you, bless God, she's giving glory to God, they're giving in secret. It happens all the time. There are ways. And friends, when we give to those who are in need, particularly those who are in great need, like poor, if we can find a way to give in secret, it's, it does more than just get us heavenly rewards. Because friends, when you give in public, when someone who's needy is there, it can cause some shame for them. Cause to highlight the fact that they're in need and you aren't and you're giving it to them. But when you give in secret in some way, you get heavenly rewards and you maintain their dignity. And you keep them from experiencing shame and you give them the gift of the blessing of God's provision. So we look to give in secret. Because our giving in secret reflects God's character. God gives in secret all the time. Jesus is upholding the universe by the word of his power right now. Many of the things, the, the breath that you're taking right now is something that's a gift from God. Whether the rain comes, the sun comes, the various things, he... God's constantly giving in secret. Even Jesus coming, it wasn't triumph over the, you know, the whole world. Most people didn't know about it. The greatest gift came in the most unlikely place. So we are reflecting God's character when we give in secret. So give to please God. Pray honestly. 
Pray honestly, praying with right motives. But when you pray, verse six, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So private prayer by nature is before God alone because there's nobody else around. It's it's a helpful place to be. There's no audience to perform for. And when you are by yourself, you can let it all out. You can let out the hurt and the pain and the struggle, and you can rejoice over things, and you tend to thank God for things, and you can be as loud and boisterous as you want or as quiet and subtle as you want because you're before God, you're not before anyone else. You can be completely open. And we're all longing for that. We're all longing to be known. And you can be known. And sometimes we starve ourselves because we don't make that time to be with the Lord because there's something that God does there when you're completely open and you're real with him. So be genuine. Finding a secluded place sometimes is not just helpful, but it's essential. I was stirred up in this way by a friend of mine that I went to the church, when I was trained for church planting. His pastor, his name's Ray, and we went to a retreat center, like all the guys were in bunk beds, like in one big room, so if you got up and you wanted to spend time with the Lord, you couldn't hear because the other guys are snoring, right? So you had to go find some other spot. So I remember waking up early, I went to go find a spot in the place where we would have our meals, and Ray had beat me there. He didn't know he had beat me there because he was just spending time with Jesus. In fact, I don't even think to this day Ray knows I was there because as I walked in, I heard things. I heard singing. I heard praying with passion. I heard excitement for God that would make any stadium cheering look shameful because he was before his God. And it, it changed the way that he lived outside that time. So pray in secret, knowing that your father in secret will reward you. But what does that mean about praying in public? Like, we're going to have a prayer meeting next, next week. So why, why do we do public prayer meetings? Like, I think we need to stop that right now. No, Jesus doesn't forbid corporate prayer meetings. Moses, Daniel, Ezra, others prayed publicly. Jesus' disciples saw him pray. We see in the book of Acts, the apostles prayed together. It's not wrong to be seeing. It is wrong to pray with the purpose of being seen. When Jesus' disciples pray, they are simply not to care if anyone sees them. I really wonder sometimes if when I'm in a corporate prayer meeting and there's like long periods of silence, if that's because the saints are more concerned about the person next to them than they are about the God of the universe who's there. Corporate prayer is passionate when the people of God don't care what the person next to them thinks. But rather, let's just come to the God of the universe and not care that anyone else is in the room. Now, if you're tall like me and you're singing... Please care that someone's next to you. Can, I've hit my family members, right? So yeah, the, in that way do. But when we come, let's, let's, let's pour our hearts out to God. Let's seek God together. 
So don't use this passage as an excuse. Oh, I, I, I can't come to the prayer meeting because I'm just going to do it before men. Some of us use kind of these, these passages as an excuse not to serve. Maybe, maybe it's the worship team. Oh, you know, I, maybe you have a gift to, to play an instrument or to sing. You're like, no, I can't do that because I'm, you know, I, I'm just so tempted to have the praise of men. And that's a real thing. Like, if you really are tempted in that way, I'd encourage you to go to West and say, I'm really tempted in this way. Have him walk with you and encourage you. But here's the reality. When we don't do things, when we, like, cut it off, say, I'm not going to do this, this, and this because of the praise of men. It doesn't mean that there aren't times where some things we just don't do. But if, if you're tempted to get the praise of men in a public situation like this or, or, or other ways of serving, I guarantee you, you're tempted to get the praise of men in other areas of your life that are more subtle. So don't think that by not doing something that, oh, yep, I'm good. I'm not on the worship team. I, I don't get the praise of men. But again, you might have that subtle ability to, to tell others about the awesome thing you did this week. Right? Let's, let's come together, humble ourselves before one another. Use the gifts God has given us and see Christ, to look to Christ, because we have rewards coming from our heavenly Father who is in heaven. The rewards are lasting, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's what it says at the end of verse 4, at the end of verse 6, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. At the end of verse 18, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The rewards are coming and we're to seek those rewards. We're to expect those rewards. And those rewards are going to last. And we aren't just waiting till that day. There are times in which we've poured ourselves out to serve and to, to glorify God, to not do it before men. And even in this life, we sense the pleasure of God. And that lasts. Because he doesn't forget that. Just like when Jesus pointed out all the things that the saints did, and he's going to do that one day. He doesn't forget those things. You don't have to trumpet them around other people because he's not going to forget a single thing that you do for the praise of his name. And you will be rewarded for it. So friends, even though there are convicting things that have happened, and if you're here and you're convicted, like I think I'm living my entire life for the praise of others, or I'm living my entire life for myself. The good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is you can come humbly to him, and he will forgive you of your sin if you confess it, and he will welcome you into his family, and you can do that even today. So focus on Jesus today, not on what you've done. And that's really what Jesus wants us to do. Even though there's this warning here, and we should take time to be humble before the Lord and say, Lord, where am I guilty? Where am, where am I guilty, Lord? And bring it to the foot of the cross. And look to Jesus. Because the more that we look at Christ, the more we see the one who is actually extraordinary, not us. And we're going to want to keep looking at him because he's extraordinary. He had no money to give, but he gave of himself. 
he constantly healed people and he constantly told those people, don't go and tell anybody else. Don't tell anybody else. Don't tell anybody else. I mean, I might be like, yeah, I did that. I'm not, I'm not going to tell them to go tell somebody else, but I'm not going to tell them not to. But Jesus is like, no, don't go tell anybody else. If anyone deserved the praise, he deserved the praise, but he didn't seek it or want it. Daily got away by himself to pray. Spent 40 days and nights praying and fasting. Not for the praise of men, but because he wanted to accomplish God's purposes. His priority was God. And we see this as, as Paul shares it with us in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the example we're to look to. Friends, give yourself to knowing the King. Give yourself to knowing the one who's speaking these words. That's the only way I know to make progress here because when I read this, I feel like I, I can't do it. The, the more I consider it, the more I realize I'm guilty. The more I realize that something I said that was encouraging to someone else just last night, they shared something with me, and then on the way home, I'm, I'm telling my wife something because in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, hey, I did this really good thing because I love when Angie says, that's really great. I'm like, I tried to trade with Ben, who's doing announcements so that he could preach today, because I was just like, I can't even do it. I can't even do it the night before we're going to open this. I can't do it. We can't do it. That's why we must look to Christ. As we, as we focus our gaze on him, as we focus on giving him praise, We're going to find ourselves just on the bike doing the things that bring him glory, and we don't notice that because we're going somewhere, and that's in his kingdom as he's calling us to rethink everything as we look to his kingdom and we do everything for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we need you. Where we could sing that song again. We could sing that song every single Sunday, every single time we have a prayer meeting. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. We need you. Lord, I don't want to sing that too much because I don't want to say I. I want to say you. I want to say, Jesus, you are king of kings. If you're here this morning, you've not trusted in Christ.
Surrender yourself to Christ. See how great and amazing and glorious he is. If you're here this morning and you have sensed a burden and conviction about the word that Jesus has spoken, know the one who spoke it went to the cross for you and you can come to him. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to come to him because he's at work in you, conforming you into his image. Father, I ask that you would help us to be humble, to look to Jesus, that we would become increasingly more like him to the praise and glory of his great name. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.